1: wherever you get your podcasts.
0: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities.
2: So Howard has, well, he has trouble uh, on the leash. He's not very good. Howard's a dill hole. So we went to sign him up for obedience classes today, so that was fun. Yeah. And while well, the guy was uh, asking us about <laughs> About Howard, Kat said, uh, well, he just really, he's very affectionate, and he just likes to crawl right up inside you. And the guy said, oh, you mean like up in, in your jacket or your shirt? And Kat said, no, like if he had a knife, he'd slit you open and crawl into your torso.
0: Like on Hoth.
2: And... The look on the guy's face was, well, it was a combination of uh, amusement and sheer terror.
0: No, he was fine.
2: And if Howard did that, then Haggis would be right there apologizing for it. You know it, because he's
0: an angel.
2: Kind of a weird dynamic that they have.
0: Oh, he found a piece of parsley. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All right, here we go. I got a story for you that is uh, about one of the most bizarre archaeological discoveries in the last 100 years. A true archaeological anomaly. It was about a hundred years ago, and a Swiss miner, you know, a guy looking for Underage. metals. Yeah, no, uh, looking for metals and uh, ore, that kind of miner. Uh, he was prospecting for metal inside a limestone cave in Zambia. He'd been at it for several hours straight. Uh, this one particular morning, when he saw what looked like a kind of a yellowish object embedded in the limestone deposit. Upon further inspection, he could see that it was some sort of bone. So he carefully excavated the object from the limestone and realized it was. It, it appeared to be a human skull. Ooh, a skull. Based on where the skull was discovered within that particular strata of limestone, it was estimated to be between 125 and 300,000 years old. This made it the first fossil with homo sapien characteristics to have been discovered in Africa. The artifact became known as the Kabwe skull for the region of Zambia that it was discovered in. It's also been referred to as the broken hill skull for the area where the mine was located. When it was first discovered, it was thought that this object, this artifact, was a new species of humans because it didn't seem to match up with any known hominid classification. It was initially dubbed Homo Rodensiensis. They thought they had uncovered for the first time a fossil of one of our previously unknown ancient family members. Oh, wow. So they're pretty excited about that. It's
0: one of the things that I really, really love about... um, Which museum is it?
2: The Museum of Natural History at the Smithsonian?
0: It might be, but it's got like all the skulls ranging from the yeah. earliest versions of us to yeah. the, the, I just think that's really neat. The
2: Smithsonian, yeah. Is it,
0: it the Sm- I don't know. I'm pretty, but am yes, pretty sure. Probably.
2: So after more research and study was done on the skull, it was reclassified to Homo heidelbergensis, which is not easy to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, further research indicated that the skull had many characteristics that were not only similar to Homo erectus, but also Homo neanderthalensis and modern Homo sapiens. So they weren't sure what, uh, which classification to assign this to.
0: That's really interesting and also I want to mention that I am super proud of you for this story because I would have bagged it a long time ago because I can't pronounce any of this shit.
2: (laughs) There's no guarantee I'm pronouncing it correctly. (laughs) So it seems as though whatever classification the skull belonged in, it appeared that they were the end result, that this this particular specimen was the end result of significant inbreeding between several hominid species. But the strangest thing about the cowboy skull was not the unique combination of features. The strangest feature was found on the left side of the cranium and appeared to be a perfectly round hole.
0: Oh, it's the bullet skull that you were talking about the other day, oh man. On the
2: opposite side of the skull, the parietal plate was completely shattered and that strongly suggests not necessarily a bullet. but. Some kind of high-velocity projectile entered on the left side of the skull, passed through the skull with such force that the exit wound completely shattered the right side of the skull.
0: Once again, I want to say how proud I am of you um, for saying that it wasn't necessarily a bullet. Well, Because I'm... when we were talking about it the other day, you were pretty sure it was a bullet.
2: <laughs> I haven't changed my position. I'm, I'm just trying to present it in a more scientific way for now. So in modern forensics, we would look at this and we would assume it was a gunshot wound. It matches up perfectly with what one would expect if somebody were shot right behind the ear. The entrance wound, the exit wound, the way they're shaped. But again, the skull is 125 to 300,000 years old. So obviously, it can't be a gunshot wound. Or could it? Well, let's examine the possibilities here. It could have been some sort of high-speed spear or javelin, maybe. Investigators say that's not possible. According to Shields Gazette, researchers say, quote, When a skull is struck by a relatively low-velocity projectile, such as an arrow or a spear, it produces what is known as radial cracks or striations. Mm -hmm. Those are minute hairline fractures running away from the place of impact. As there were no radial fractures on the skull, it is unanimously concluded that the projectile must have been of far, far greater velocity than an arrow or a spear.
0: Okay, sure. It should be
2: noted that the presence of this extremely unusual anomaly is uh, missing from descriptions on the Smithsonian Institution's website and the Natural History Museum of London. There are pictures of the skull on the website but no mention of the hole on the left side and there is there are no pictures of the skull from the right side. Okay. So clearly they're covering this up. Oh jeez. One theory has been put forward by a guy named Keith Fitzpatrick Matthews on the website Bad Archaeology.
0: Is he an ancient skull theorist?
2: Among other things, First of all he claims that the right side of the skull wasn't shattered but was mostly intact and so one assumes that he has had the opportunity to inspect it. He does not he does admit though that part of the bone in that area is broken off. He also says that when inspecting the holes he's concluded that it shows possible signs of healing. He says, quote, "The wound appears to have been a pathological rather than traumatic lesion." caused by an infection in the soft tissue over it. Oh! Others say that's unlikely, that this type of pathology would have caused such a neatly and perfectly round hole in the skull like this particular example. It just, in their opinion, wouldn't look like that. In his book, Technology of the Gods, the inexplicable, I'm saying words, I'm looking at a word and I'm saying words that don't even exist.
0: Inexplicable is a great word, though.
2: The incredible science of the ancients, a German forensics expert named David Hatcher Childress, has come to the conclusion that, quote, the cranial damage to this person, this skull, could not have been caused by anything but a bullet. Researcher René nurbergen in The Secrets of Lost Races, agreed, saying, quote, this same feature is seen in modern victims of head wounds receiving shots from a high-velocity, high-power rifle. Now, according to the Ancient Origins website, if this is true, it means one of the following: a) the skull is not as old as it's claimed to be;
0: mm-hmm.
2: b) the ancient skull was shot in modern times;
0: though that wouldn't make sense because they said there were signs of healing;
2: and c). The ancient skull was shot in ancient times by a technologically advanced civilization.
0: Wait, those are our only options? Uh,
2: No, this is according to ancient origins. They're whittling it down. Okay. The article goes on to say that since the skull was found 60 feet below the surface, that confirms that it's at least several thousand years old and rules out the first and second options. To make things even more interesting, along a riverbed in Russia, the skull of an extinct species of cattle was discovered. This particular species lived between 2 million and 4,000 years ago, and it has the exact type of hole right in the middle of its forehead. Huh. Perfectly round and approximately the same size. It has the same characteristics as the Cobwe skull, meaning it doesn't have any radial cracks right. that would result from an arrow or a spear or a weapon from that time.
0: Whereabouts on their skull? Do we know?
2: On the buffalo skull? Yeah, Right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. The skull can be seen on display in Moscow's Museum of Paleontology. Uh, There are plenty of other pictures of it online that are available. Um, I'll show you one.
0: All right. So um, do you want my theory?
2: Yeah. I've got some more ideas here, but go ahead.
0: Meteorites.
2: That's one of them. Very
0: good. And minor skull guy was a side sleeper.
2: Okay, but you're right. Another scientific explanation is uh, that's been put forward is that the holes were caused by shrapnel from a meteorite shower. The meteor's shrapnel would need to be perfectly precise in shape and size, however, cylindrical, or at least spherical.
0: That's fine. I mean...
2: It's possible. It is possible. Lots
0: of things are.
2: But these two different skulls date back thousands of years, separated by about a thousand miles. They both have identical precise holes and exit wounds in them, indicating high velocity projectiles. Uh, These anomalies could not have been created in modern times based on geological strata that they were found in and the condition of the holes themselves. So, the shrapnel from a meteor shower is one possible scientific explanation. And, of course, the pathological condition, like an infection that caused the hole, is possible as well.
0: I didn't realize that an infection could cause a hole in your skull. Yeah. Syphilis
2: has done that.
0: Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, if
2: you take those ideas and put them aside, that leaves you with two other possibilities. That there there was an ancient civilization, previously not known, that was technologically advanced to the point where they could shoot high-velocity cylindrical-shaped projectiles, and that this civilization was destroyed and we have very li- little evidence of it. Mm-hmm. Or, as researchers from the Shields Gazette put forward, it appears as though, quote, Someone from the future carrying a firearm traveled into the past and engaged in some sort of transtemporal hunting expedition.
0: Why would that be someone's guess about what happened? Well, they
2: might be big Ray Bradbury fans, I don't know. What is that short story he did, Distant Thunder? It's pretty much that, right? Where people traveled back in time to hunt dinosaurs?
0: No, they're not supposed to hunt anything. They're, they're just supposed to look.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he said the hunting
0: a, things would change everything. He
2: stepped on a butterfly.
0: That's right. Hence the butterfly effect. Oh, we should watch that again. Yes, I'm in. I wonder if it's not as good as I remember.
2: I don't remember it being good the first time I watched it. Oh, but, that's a good point. But then again, times change. So besides these skulls, there are many other examples of what are called out of place artifact discoveries or oop art. Objects that appear to be modern, but are found inside geological strata or veins of coal or even rock indicating that they're far older than they should be. Uh, An example is the Dorchester pot. It was a metal pot that was discovered. It was blasted out of solid rock in 1852. Then there's the uh, Kengudi artifact. This appears to, uh, it's like a, a corroded nail that was encased in solid rock. And it comes from very ancient times. The London hammer, It's a hammer that's made out of iron and wood that was found in London, Texas in 1935. Part of the hammer is embedded in lime rock. And then, of course, you've heard of the stone spheres of Costa Rica. There are many, many more examples of these uparts. To be fair, I find it interesting that these uparts, the state of the technology that they find embedded in in the rock Mm -hmm. is never greater than the state of the technology of the time it was discovered, like an iron pot, for example, or a wood and iron hammer.
0: It's not like they found an instapot encased in limestone.
2: Yeah, or a George Foreman grill embedded in coal. Where we stand right now, any mainstream science that even acknowledges these anomalies cling fast to the explanation that uh, the bullet-shaped hole was caused by pathological rather than traumatic lesion. They don't even want to uh, take into consideration the meteorite theory. They believe, basically, that an infection in the soft tissue over the bone is the reason for this. Okay. But the reality is none of these explanations that I've talked about today are supported by any type of adequate evidence. Now, if additional skulls from the distant past are unearthed and they have the same type of injuries, or you know, maybe we find a dinosaur like that or something, then maybe they can move forward. But for now, we are left with a very unsatisfying notion that we may never know what really happened to that person in Africa hundred and twenty-five to 300,000 years ago. right? My sources, Wikipedia, Ancient Origins, The Inquisitor, Bad Archaeology, Smithsonian, technology of the gods the incredible science of ancients by david hatcher shields gazette and the natural history museum of london pretty conclusive evidence
1: yeah yeah it's, it's oh. a bullet wound yeah. oh yeah yeah
2: a bullet wound you think it's more likely that a caveman's side sleeper was assassinated by a meteorite you're crazy
1: and now that thing in the middle The sun is very loud.
2: Of course, space is a vacuum, so sound doesn't travel. But if space was filled with air, by the time the sound of the sun reached the Earth 92 million miles away, it would register 125 decibels. To put it in perspective, that's as loud as a jet engine sounds from only 150 feet away.
1: Did you know, on this date in 1863, not a damn thing happened? This is The Box of Oddities.
2: I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids.
1: The Box of Oddities, with Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Lorena sent us an email. Hello, Cat and
2: Jethro. One of my kids, 11 months, was in the car with me earlier today. I'm a fairly new listener, barely on Box 106, and I had just gotten him a new stuffy. It's a a slice of bread with a smiley face. Aww. (laughs) He's heard you guys in the past, but I guess he never really paid too much attention to your names. When he heard your full name, he asked, is that his name? And I said, yes, his name is Jethro Gilligan. Why? He said he really liked it. And so he's named his newest stuffy Jethro Gilligan. Oh. You have a junior out here in California. (laughs) He loves naming his stuffies, but he's always coming up with funny, weird names for them. He has a shark named Milk milk and shark that makes sense <laughs> okay and a hedgehog named mr. boo boo also an octopus named newt newt so your namesake is in wonderful company i hope you don't mind flying our freak flag proudly Lorena. i you know what not only do i not mind i am um humbled i love it that's wow thank you
0: and we were just talking the other day about the fun names that you had for things when you were <laughs> yeah, a kid and right. i think this all ties in very nicely
2: it does indeed what you got for me girl
0: Today, we're going to talk about the curious case of Samuel Wood. Samuel Wood was a native of England. He was 26 years old, and he was employed at a corn mill by a miller on the Isle of Dogs, a large peninsula bounded on three sides by the River Thames in East London. Wait, there's an Isle of Dogs? There is an Isle of Dogs. I want to go to the Isle of Dogs. Mm, I don't know if it's what we picture. As a miller... Wood would operate woodwood uh, wood. <laughs> as a miller. Wood operated a mill uh, that would grind corn to make flour. Windmills have been used primarily as a method of grinding grain into flour by using the power of wind. And I had I need you to be with me here for this moment. I had a real moment when I was in the bathtub earlier, and I was researching this mm. story, mm-hmm. and the word windmill came out of my mouth. And I went, wait, wind mill. Like, it all made sense. And I was like, (laughs) god damn it. Why have you never thought about this before?
2: It's a wind. It's a mill powered by wind. Yeah,
0: it's a wind mill. It's a...
2: That's all right. We all have moments like that. So, some more than others.
0: <clears throat> the blades are connected to a drive shaft inside the windmill. That's connected to a gear, which is connected to other gears or cogs within the wooden housing frame, which that's where the millstones are. And then one millstone is fixed in a position while the other one rotates. And then the grain between those rocks, those stones millstones it, you know like that mm-hmm. the grain is poured through a hole in the top millstone or the revolving millstone and then the more grain that's added uh the the flour that results from the grinding is pushed out the sides i had no idea how this all worked by the way nor did i understand the origins of the word windmill, windmill. damn So big thanks to sciencing.com, by the way, for that description of how windmills work. So it's 1737, and Samuel Wood is walking to the grain store to fetch another bag of corn. It's August 15th. He's milling it up. Oh, speaking of which, I found a list of names That uh, translated into many languages means Miller, and like they're some of the most popular names in the world because Millers, you know, I mean that was an incredibly common profession. But like, it's okay. So Wood had a rope with him, which, as I understand it, he would use to help pull the bag of corn onto the the top millstone. But at the end of this rope, he had a slipknot that he had put around his wrist. So he was passing one of the large wheels, and the cogs of it caught hold of the rope. Uh So as, yeah, you can understand where this is going. Before he knew what was happening, he was pulled up and in to the windmill (gasps) blades. He was hauled round with the windmill blades and dropped back onto the ground right about where he'd been picked up. Oh, my God. He picked himself up, and he felt like a slight tingling in his torso, but he was more surprised than anything that he'd been just launched into (laughs) a windmill, as (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm sure we all would be. But then he inspected the windmill, and he saw that something wasn't right with it. And it was something tangled up inside the wheel. It was a severed arm wait a minute what
2: oh no it
0: was his severed arm oh no this is dr john belcher's account of what happened next when he was little recovered he came down a narrow ladder to the first floor of the mill where his brother was who seeing his condition ran downstairs immediately out of the mill to a house adjacent to the next mill
2: to get help or just out of fear
0: no i mean valid question
2: It's my brother, his arm's been
0: torn sort sort of off. off. He alarmed the inhabitants with what had happened to his brother, but before they could get out of the house to his assistance, the poor man had walked by himself to within about 10 yards of the house where being quite spent by the great effusions of blood had fainted away. I
2: would think so. Is there an indication as to where it was torn off? It was at the shoulder? Right at the shoulder. Oh, no. You can't even put a tourniquet on that.
0: So they obviously were kind of freaked out, and they called for a surgeon to come. And uh, they said that in the meantime, what they did to stop the blood was pack loaf sugar powder into the wound.
2: He wasn't diabetic, was he?
0: Unclear. Um, but I looked up, of course, what is loaf sugar powder? And I could find nothing, but I did find a really nice recipe for a lemon <laughs> loaf that looks excellent. So so all
2: is not lost. All
0: right. The surgeon arrived and noted that the arm had been ripped off so cleanly that the patient's life was not in danger. What? The armhole wasn't shooting out blood, as one would expect. Uh, uh- It it was bloody, but no major blood vessels seemed to have been damaged. Wow. It was noted the fleshy parts of the wound were pulled as near together as possible by means of a needle and ligature. The doctor then dosed him up with a warm digestive, which I I think has to mean they drugged a biscuit and then fed it to him maybe
2: or gave him some bread and whiskey
0: but at first i was like they they dosed him like i thought maybe they jammed a biscuit into his armhole. <laughs> but then i was like well that doesn't make any sense
2: well, well it's no more absurd than packing loaf sugar in there i guess
0: that's true so they bandaged him up and the next day the doctors were like all right let's take another look at this so they opened it up again in the company of a couple more surgeons. And they all noted that there were no real effusions of blood at that time. So again, they dressed him up as before and sent him to St. Thomas's Hospital, where he was admitted as a patient under the care of Mr. Fern. Again, Wood's injury was pretty friggin' dramatic. Mm. I mean, his arm had been torn off. At
2: the shoulder. The
0: whole arm is gone. And so the doctor Is it still on
2: the windmill at this point?
0: <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think they retrieved it. Oh, good. So the doctors were quite concerned that he was going to kick it because there's no they hadn't seen this work out well for people before. Mm, I
2: can't imagine.
0: But to their amazement, it had been, it was just, again, such a clean wound. It was doing okay. So they decided to keep an eye on him and keep this wound bandaged for four days. I don't know what the logic is about <laughs> four days specifically, but there you go.
2: You shall be remained bandaged for four days, not three, not five, six is right off.
0: Again Belcher noted, when Mr. Fern opened the wound, at which time likewise there was not the least appearance of any blood vessels, so he dressed him up again, and in about two months time the cure was entirely completed. So in two months, he'd completely healed over. Completely healed over. That's crazy. Yeah. And all they, I mean, they he had some like floppy skin on the outside where his arm had connected. And so they just kind of like, zoop, 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 zoop. And it healed over. Wow.
2: The idea that a guy could get caught in a windmill blade, make a complete revolution around on the uh, windmill blade, get off, Notice his arms missing mm-hmm. and then walk to a nearby farm blows my mind. I, know. <laughs> I mean, I hit my thumb with a hammer once and had to lie down.
0: I was just going to say
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? I
0: was literally just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> ah. mm-hmm. While Wood was in the hospital, John Belcher noted I found the scapula fractured transversely so he did go and get the arm or someone went and got the arm and he brought they brought the arm to this doctor as likewise the radius and ulna in two places so the bones there were two bones in the arm were, were broken but he says whether the bones were fractured before the arm was torn off a man cannot possibly judge
2: what Oh, he means right before. Right, yeah. yeah. Not that he had broken an arm a week before and was (laughs) just tootling about grinding meal.
0: He referred to the artery being separated, quote, so happily.
2: It was happily separated.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Wood recovered from the mishap within a matter of weeks and became something of a celebrity. Belcher noted, in this case... It's very singular and so remarkable that no history can furnish us with any instance similar to it in order to give a particular account of it.
2: So he becomes a bit of a local celebrity. Mm-hmm. And that probably got him a lot of attention, mm-hmm. which perhaps translated into more business for him at the mill. And maybe that's where we get the term busier than a one-armed miller. I don't, I'm,
0: That's not a... Is that a no? That's no, not, not a not a term no, at all. Don't no, don't try to trick me with your old timey talk. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, I was doing some reading about terms that are related to uh, Millers, mm-hmm. and there's a thing called Miller's thumb, yeah. which is the Millers will take the product um, as cocaine dealers will and check to make sure it's as it should be so they'll take it between their thumb and their other their forefinger and kind of grind it between those fingers and eventually over time they kind of grind their thumb down so they get this weird like fish head looking thumb weird and uh, so they call there's a term That's like good as a Miller's thumb or golden, like a golden Miller's thumb or something like that. And it's being able to tell if something's good or not means you have a golden Miller's thumb. (laughs) So I didn't know if that was a real saying that you just said. (laughs) And that makes me feel real stupid.
2: (laughs) I don't want to make you feel stupid. I'm just playing with you.
0: So he's got this happily separated arm and people were really (laughs) jazzed about it. Mm -hmm. So there were pieces of art made re his ripped off arm. There's actually an engraving made which I I can show you uh, where it's actually, it just shows his torso and then his arm ripped off and then a windmill in the distance. <laughs> it's a little dark. It um, sounds
2: like a fourth grade art project. It
0: also looks kind of like his legs were ripped off too, so I don't know why they did it that way. but
2: Were the stars in the sky macaroni? <laughs> no.
0: But the lettering on the engraving says, Samuel Wood, whose arm with the shoulder blade was torn off by a mill. Ye, 15th of Aug, 1737. He was brought to St. Thomas's Hospital. Ye, next day, where he was cured by Mr. Fern. Which I think that's a lot of engraving to describe what's, you know, pretty obviously a guy who got his arm torn off. Anyway, three months after the accident, Samuel Wood was presented at the Royal Society as a living curiosity with his severed arm, which was preserved in alcohol. What? They also brought him on stage for assembled scientists to examine. They were very excited about how this whole thing went down, and because of this art that was made and because of his somewhat of a celebrity status, he was able to like make money by being the guy with his arm ripped off. <laughs> and some of his friends helped him open a public house at the Mile End Road. And so that's what he did for the rest of his life. Really? Is He ran this public house and just with one arm. And well, I don't know if maybe he had the other arm, but just the one arm attached to him.
2: Right. And the other one in a jar full of whiskey of some sort. Up on the bar.
0: That, I think, would be a real crowd drawer. I,
2: I would think so. I would go.
0: Absolutely.
2: Get a stiff pint in. Check out a guy's windmill amputated appendage.
0: What's a stiff pint? Is that a phrase? Yeah. I don't think so. You can have a stiff drink.
2: As stiff as a Miller's pint is what the phrase
0: <gasps> You turd. You're trying <laughs> to trick me. <laughs> so anyway, that's Samuel Wood. He got his arm ripped off. Uh-huh.
2: But it all worked out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think running a public house sounds like more fun than being a Miller anyway.
2: Right. And it's easier on your thumbs as well. Yeah. Well, we should wrap this up because we have a uh, a gathering of the freaks on Zoom in about a half an hour. Yes. From now.
0: Oh, i got to put a bra on.
2: Me too. And if you are not a patron and you would like to join us, you can do so. Of course, you'd have to wait for the next Zoom. Yeah, you
0: won't be able to make it for this one.
2: Right. Because, well, time and stuff anyway go to theboxofoddities.com and you can become a patron there you get all sorts of really cool stuff like ad-free episodes and they come a little early a day or so early and of course our zoom freak gatherings although the freaks have now stopped calling them zoom meetings they're boom meetings did you oh, see that
0: i didn't see I, that
2: i like that very much Regardless of what you decide, we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly,
1: you beautiful freak.
0: With your good arm.
1: And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. The On Facebook at facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities. and Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Podcast. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.
0: history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken.